You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chris Perez, David Flowers, Tony Groves, William Gibson, and special guest Phil Linden. Hey, guys. Hi. Good evening. How's it going, guys? Hello. What's up? All right. A big group tonight. Uh, It's the first uh, week of the season. A lot of excitement going on. Let's start by uh, learning about our special guest, Phil, Philip, or Phil, Lyndon. Uh, Which one do you prefer, Phil? Yeah, just call me Phil. Phil it is. All right. Well, welcome. Uh, You joined the Team Tifosi here recently, uh, not too long ago. And uh, I've been running some with you as well. Um, so let's learn to get uh, learn a little bit about you here. When did you get your start on iRacing, and how did you hear about it? I mean, I, I got into sim racing last summer, about the end of August. And I always thought iRacing was kind of out of my league. Um, I started out with Project Cars and um, felt the level of competition wasn't really enough. So I made the jump with uh, one of those promo deals where it's five bucks, gets you three months. Um, and thought I would be doing road racing the whole time. Turns out oval racing is awesome. Um, so I made it up to C-class oval racing with only the free content and then, um, waited a a little bit to buy something until the GRC cars came out. Um, and I've been racing mostly GRC. Um, it's kind of fun because I drive a, a Fiesta in real life, so I get to take one on the track. Oh, you didn't want to do the VW Beetle? Fiestas are awesome, man. I, <laughs> I follow uh, GRC in real life, and um, go Steve Arpin. He's he's my guy. He drives a Fiesta, um, and it just it just looks so much cooler than the Bug. Yep. And we'll talk about some of your results. I mean, I look at your profile, last ten races. I see your name in the winner column at least three times out of those ten. I mean, some of that's rookie rookie series. Um, I don't. I consider just the the D class really uh, true wins. Uh, rookie series sometimes you get in a really good race with a really high level of competition, but more often than not, it, it's kind of practice in a race setting. So, yeah. Well, you're still getting it done. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's talk about how often are you racing and what series uh, are you normally running or plan to run here at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I race uh, about five times a week. Um, it's how I cool down after work. Um, primarily GRC, like like all the time. Um, but I do dabble in uh, the Miatas, um, and I plan on doing NAS as much as I can. I don't own any of the tracks uh, except for a few. Um, but I, I own the C-Class truck and the A-Car, so I'll be hopping in fixed races as often as I can. All right, cool. Uh, let's talk about hardware. What type of wheel and pedals do you have, and how many monitors? Um, I recently upgraded to a Logitech G920. Um, it's the Xbox version of the G29. I've got the H-shifter and the pedals with the clutch. Um, as far as my computer goes, I have a GTX 770 uh, graphics card with an i5 um, 46 70k or whatever it is it's a few years old now 
Um, just one monitor, 23 inches. It's tiny. Um, I'm waiting for VR to be a little bit more affordable before I upgrade any displays. Um, I've also got a Track IR, uh, Track IR5 setup. So I've got the little camera and the LEDs on my head. So even though I've got a small screen, I can still look left and right, um, look into the apexes of the corners. And it's, uh, I originally got it for flight simulators and it works really, really, really well for racing sims. Um, and it's that, it's not cheap. It was 150 bucks. I think it still is. Um, but it's a happy medium for me since I can't afford, uh, any more displays than I already have. That's fascinating. I've always wanted to get that. I've looked into it many different times. Uh, there's a thing on the hardware section, a story about how to uh, fa- do some fake uh, or software version of that. Uh, and we'll talk about that later. And I- I'm interested to s- see what you think about it uh, since you already have one. So that is pretty cool. All right. Uh, what about the, you know, third-party software? Um, are you running just TeamSpeak or what else do you run? Yeah, just TeamSpeak. Um, I've tried Joel Real Timing, which um, I'm sure everybody's heard of, especially if they're listening to this podcast. But uh, uh, I don't know. I, I uh, turn on some music with Spotify <laughs> and just kind of get in the zone. I don't have time to look at another screen, take my eyes off the road. Uh, I'm not that coordinated yet. So uh, just TeamSpeak for now. And Track IR has its own software that runs in the background. Right. All right, cool. Uh, any leagues? Obviously, you're part of Team Tifosi. Doing any league racing? Uh, anything else besides official? Or are you doing hosted? Or No, that's it. Uh, I'm still a rookie. Um, I, I'm really grateful that you guys uh, have, you know, uh, let me practice with you guys, race with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. It's been fun having um, you. What's that? Yeah, it's been fun having you on so far. Uh, so glad you're with the team. Yeah, thanks. All right. Uh, what is the most memorable iRacing moment you've had so far? Yeah, I knew this question was coming, and uh, I, I think it's kind of funny. Um, so my dad used to race street stocks. Um, and the last race, it was when I was really young, so I can only remember one race that he was in. And it ended with him uh, upside down on the backstretch. Um, and the reason I think this is funny is because <laughs> anytime I try out a new car on a new track, I don't know how, but I always end up upside down someplace on the track. Uh, not on purpose, of course, but I, I just, <laughs> it's funny to me. Uh, and that's always a memorable moment. As being the upside down, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, how did family. I get here? Well, cool. Let's look at your stats. Uh, overall oval, you have a winning percentage of 1.7 with one win in 58 starts. I don't even remember that win, so... <laughs> it, it's probably a rookie oval or something, yeah. Uh, and then your dirt road, uh, which is GRC, your winning percentage, 12.8. That's really pretty good, actually. Thanks. I, I, I do put in a lot of time, um, and uh, I've gotten lucky a few times, uh, like, doing crashing out of the heat race, coming back and winning a constellation to go on to uh, podium finish or, or win a... Uh, rally cross champ uh, race so um yeah I, i'm really happy to see that win percentage and hope it keeps climbing up yeah yeah let's see if it settles or keeps going up or what 
Yeah, but that's a good that's a good for uh, DRC. All right, well, very much uh, welcome to the podcast. Let's talk uh, racing. Boy, Daytona 500 week, guys, uh, starts tomorrow, Wednesday. Uh, boy, I am pumped. Now, before we get into uh, other topics, I want to point out that teammate Tyler Conroy, uh, he actually finished first in Division II championship in the NIS fixed of 2017. I don't even think he realized it until I told him. Um, And I was actually looking back to see how many times have I won the Daytona 500 personally. And the answer is zero. All my wins are at Talladega, it seems like, or the July race. Um, But anyway, when I was looking through those results, there's his name at the top of the list, Tyler Conroy. And I couldn't believe that he actually won it because he had so many uh, weeks he missed. I think he missed nine weeks total and still won it. Do you win any prize money or anything, like uh, iRacing credits if you win a championship? No, nothing in NIS. You got the prestige, obviously. I mean, you got the winner of Division One. You got the winner of Division Two. That's, you know... That's pretty prestigious, I think. Yeah, well, you would think they, you know, could could reward those two, at least the top three in those two divisions, right. something. Because it's such the long season, and it's the most popular, and it's the longest. I mean, yeah, I agree. I mean, even. It, and it's amazing that he was even, you know, able to miss the what you said nine races and still win it. That's nuts. He, he missed nine races, but didn't he have like nine wins, Mike? Yeah, he had nine that's, wins. That's why? <laughs> yeah, he he was he was on fire, and he's going to be on fire this week, this year too. Yeah, the best part about all that is when when you brought it up the uh, the excitement that he had over messenger because he truly did not realize that he won the championship and that was awesome really funny i guess he just assumed he didn't because he had missed so many weeks so he never went and looked at the points you know and uh yeah it was interesting to see his excitement about it Uh, but that is a quite an accomplishment for tyler so congratulations to him Uh, i'm excited that he's on our team he's going to be a team leader he's got uh the most potential of anybody on the team right now. So I'm excited for him. Let's get into uh, talk about road to pro. That's tonight. That starts uh, about an hour and a half from now, two hours. What do you, what do you guys think about road to pro? I mean, we've been talking setup right up until we started recording. I mean, do we have a set? I mean, what do you guys think? We got a set and it's, it's nice that, most of us will probably be running in the same split, so we'll have help. Yeah, a bunch of the team is running this, if not most. Uh, interestingly, Tyler Conroy was messaging saying he will not be running tonight, which I'm pretty bummed about, but he apparently lost his A license to a C license just running three races last night at Daytona and getting Ooh. wrecked out. Oh, that hurts. Yeah. And uh, Road to Pro is A only. You can only be an A license to be in that uh, in that series. So 
in three races, he dropped two license classes. That's what he was saying in Messenger, yeah. Oof. Uh, that's getting caught up in them wrecks, and just, I mean, that's the gamble you're going to take, especially at Daytona. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing about this particular series, Road to Pro, tonight. It's one start, guys. If you get caught up, you're done. I mean, there's no more Daytona starts. You get a big, fat goose egg. Well, yeah, you you may get wrecked out and stuff, but it's you know it's it's a half length race, and and I know Tyler was running the C fix truck, so at least we got we'd have time to be able to get back into it a little bit. I I would think after, yeah, especially well, Tyler runs a lot higher than us, but uh, you know the bottom splits. I'm sure there'll be lots of lots of cautions, and uh, that should. Um, give us enough time if we do end up getting hammered into the wall or something to be able to get back out and maybe save some of that SR. Yeah, I've never run um, a high-stakes race like Road to Pro, and I, I only have a B license right now, so best of luck to you guys that are, will be racing. Um, but do you see a change in the the driving style of people? Um, like, if you're running a, a race that happens every half an hour, you're more likely to not really care if you get caught up in a wreck. But if it only happens once a week, do people play it safe? Or is it, um, you know... A little bit, I think. Yeah, a little. I mean, I think it, the length of the race is what... Everyone will be calm at the beginning because they know that it's a long race, you know. Especially in, in the 500 this week. I mean, it's stupid to have a big old pack going at the beginning of the 500 mile race, let's all line up and just ride, ride around. Mike, that's, that's not true at all. When, when they did the road to pro under the old format, when we started, the first race was Texas. I got into a Texas race and it looked as bad, if not worse than bottom split for NIS. Like you had guys that didn't know how to, how to merge under cautions. You had guys that didn't know (laughs) how to pick correctly. I'm like, is this bottom split at IS? I thought this was supposed to be the good drivers. Like, well, no. It's the same people. I mean, uh, if you think about it. Uh, yeah, but I think splits, bottom yeah, split. <laughs> it's going to be high participation, I think, too. And it runs every other week, basically, for the next 30 weeks, this series. And this will lead to the Xfinity series, where they take, I think, the top 40 or something. And then they run a series to go into the peak. And that's how you get into peak now is it all starts tonight with this truck. Yeah, trucks always have high participation. Um, it's a new series. It's at Daytona, which always has high participation. I would say this will probably be one of the bigger oval races we see all year outside of a special event. Yep, like I agree. 500. It's a perfect storm to have a huge, huge turnout tonight. So how many do you think we got? I, I would probably say 800. I'd say right around that mark. May, maybe 1,000 at the most. I mean, the high NIS races in previous years are six to 800, basically. That's what I was going to say, somewhere between six and eight. I mean... It's basically the same people, um, I, and everybody's going to run it because that's where the, I mean, the more people that run it, the better the competition is, you know, the better racing should be. Uh, this will be my first time participating in something like this. I'm just anxious to get it under the way. Same with me. Well, do yourself a favor and check the points after you run at least once a week and just watch the progression. See where you land each week. Do you go up or do you go down? It's not about I rating. It's about championship points, and that's what the column you need to be looking at. 
Let's talk official racing. Um, next, uh, I ran a bunch of dirt street stock at USA. Uh, I suck. I mean, I so in one race I did actually did finish second, but it's because everyone else wrecked out. But most of the time, I have a pretty good start. I fade, and I usually wreck at least once, and then I'm at the back, and I have a bad run. I still like it though; it's fun, and uh, I'm going to keep going. I, I mean, I but I I'm just kind of building my racecraft, and I, I'm still slow though. Yeah, that dirt street stock at USA is is a lot of fun. I I managed to um, be able to race one. <laughs> I think it was over the weekend or something. I don't even remember when I did it. I picked up a fourth place out of that one, um, and I've I've been typically sticking around that fourth fifth spot. Um, so I'm I'm being consistent. I do need to up it a little bit, but I know I don't uh, I don't challenge like I should. But I I really dig in that car. It's a lot of fun. It's so difficult. Yeah. Even though you, you guys mentioned that they fixed it um, a few patches ago, and it makes it easier to drive. But you know, I still have trouble. I've been racing the um, the Dirt Legends as an easier car to get some practice on dirt ovals, but I can't handle the street stuff. Well, you should have drove it before they fixed it. It was horrible. I mean, oh yeah, Phil, you couldn't was... go down the straightaway without wrecking. You... You couldn't, yeah. And then once they changed it, I hopped in it, and I was able to do 10 laps like it was nothing. I'm like, okay, cool, yeah, this is drivable now. Yeah, it was really hard before. I mean, and there were people who mastered that, even yeah. though it was like that. I, I love the old um, Dirt Street stock. I mean, I feel like it's better now than it was as far as as a rookie car. Um, but, yeah, I, I used to love that thing, especially at – um. Tracks like Eldora, bigger ovals where you could really kind of get momentum and float it up to the wall. And um, it's way, way easier to drive now than it was before. But yeah, I would say I was one of the people who used to love it before, but I just love dirt in general. So, right. Uh, Brandon Uhouse, teammate, he's actually taken a, a month off for the off season. He hasn't been around much, uh, but he did uh, come back this week and. Uh, picked up his first dirt street stock win and uh, his first time back after a month and he gets a win right out of the bat. So that's a pretty good start for the year. Uh, Phil, you had a nice finish. Tell us about that. Yeah, last night um, I took a stab at, at Daytona in the trucks. Uh, so C-class fixed trucks. Um, first major race uh, of a season and I was the 20 car out of 21, and I managed to qualify third um, and was climbing up the, the leaderboard, down the leaderboard, the whole race, uh, but stuck in the draft, um, had some pretty sweet wreck avoidance. Uh, I almost uh, slammed into the side of somebody, but swerved at the last second um, and hung on to a P3 at the end of it. Now, P3, when I hear that at Daytona, I think that's in position to win. I mean, where were you? Were you on the bottom or the top lane? Or were you first or second line? Yeah, I was getting real frustrated uh, because um, I could really build up some momentum out of the corners, but we were too wide for the entire race. I was on the low line. Um, I probably could have made a move up to the high line for a pass, but I didn't want to risk losing that low line because I was comfortable down there and, and uh, I trusted the people around me for the most part. 
So I, I didn't really want to take any major risks. Again, I was the number 20 car, so podium is, is excellent for me. Um, but the guys in front of me, uh, I didn't want to push it too hard and cause a wreck. So I just played it safe and rode it out. So you're second on the bottom. Yeah, that's the best spot to be in because if the top lane gets a run, you pull up in front of them and take the win. But you got to wait for that last lap, and that's so hard to be patient. Uh, yeah, it, right at the uh, – there were like two laps to go, and there was a caution. So, um, But, you know, I, I, I'm still learning, so I'll definitely keep that in mind for the next time. All right, uh, league races. Uh, Tony, you and I ran trucks at Texas. I finished P9. I hit the wall a couple of times. I was actually dead last for a bit. Got a caution, got a lucky dog. Uh, ended up last car in a lead lap. It wasn't a great race for me. Uh, Tony, I think you wrecked out too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had a pretty strong start, and I was, you know, I was doing really good. And uh, I just stopped paying attention for about half a second. I scrubbed the wall, and... I thought it was okay, but for some reason I lost any grip that I had. It just, and next thing you know, I just, I, I plowed right into the wall and blew my motor up and I was, that, that was my race. I was, you were out early too. Oh yeah. Yeah. I like, uh, I think I, I made it about 15, 20 laps around. And then, um, that's when I scrubbed the wall and it was about maybe two or three laps after that when I lost, lost it and put it in the wall. Yeah. Chris, did you run that? No, I didn't run anything this week. I've oh. been busy work the past couple of weeks. All I right. totally forgot about the league race, guys. It just sent me a message. <laughs> that was my last one because obviously I'll be running uh, NIS yeah, now on Wednesdays. Yeah. But, uh, okay, cool. Let's go on to GRC. Phil, you had a D-class GRC race, uh, and you got a win, uh, even though you uh, – you know, lucked into it, so to speak. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, so I was in the mid middle of the pack, um, hold my own, but, uh, lap three or so someone got into the tire barrier. Um, and this is at Daytona this is Daytona long, I believe. Um, so it's that sweeping right-hander. Uh, so I was sideways. I couldn't do anything about it. Got my fender into the tire barrier. Um, and it was kind of, had a little bit of suspension damage, so I in going down the straights, the wheel was crooked. Um, but I maintained pace, um, and the leader had like a nine-second lead, but on the last lap, I guess they choked. Uh, I saw them, you know, sprawled out in the middle of the infield, um, swooped in, took my joker, uh, and they couldn't catch up and uh, walked away with the win. That's it. You got to be there to win, and eventually you will. That was a good yeah, you just win. Got to stay alive long enough to uh, uh, go into the victory lane. Yeah, that's normally how I get wins. Is uh, you just got to be there, and you know stuff sometimes will happen, and it works out. Good job there. Um, let's talk hosted. Uh, I ran several Daytona races, trying to figure out a set for the A car. Uh, we have some older sets from January, but we're trying to figure out which one is the best. And uh, I kept getting wrecked out in these hosted races. Uh, in fact, Ty Gibbs, who I think is the grandson of Joe Gibbs, uh, the coach, uh, he ran over me. Uh, I mean, why do people push when there's nowhere to go? I'm like backed up behind all these cars on the bottom. You got the yellow line on the left. 
You got cars on the right. There's nowhere to go. I'm not pushing the guy in front of me. They're actually checking. And this guy just runs over me and just plows through, turns me, you know, I'm done. Uh, that happened again in another hosted race. Um, and so it was like, you know, it's Daytona week. You can kind of tell. Uh, peak. Let's talk about peak. Uh, they announced their schedule. Um, they posted that up on the forums, uh, Daytona, February 20th is when they start. Uh, they also, uh, have been promoting the peak series. Uh, they put up a website, iracing.com backslash NASCAR peak antifreeze series. And that will be your one stop link throughout the season to keep up with, uh, points uh what's going on there's uh, short links to the grand the world grand prix series and the blank paint as well and so uh iRacing is doing a good job of trying to document what's going on with these series so nice uh, website they also put out a video uh did you guys see it it was on youtube uh facebook twitter etc about one minute long and uh promoting basically some of the stars of the series, uh, much like a NASCAR commercial would. Bobby Zielinski was one of them. Michael Conti, uh, Ray Alfala, uh, Ryan Luza, all champions until I mentioned this final name, Logan Clampett, who is not a champion yet. He finished second this last year. Uh, I think it was kind of cool they included Logan in the in the commercial guys even though he wasn't the champ but other you know the other champs are obviously worthy as well yeah the commercial definitely got me hyped um it's it's cool to see that it, i mean this is you know quote unquote just a video game uh but it's also a sport and um it's got good enough visuals where you know it's the same quality as you might see on tv uh, for the most part so it's not a video game. <laughs> yeah. Don't go Jeff Gluck on me here. <laughs> I, I, yeah, think, I knew that would get a rise out of you guys. I think the coolest thing they did was actually promote the drivers. Um, having somebody to root for and have somebody to cheer for is going to build the fan base of the series. And it's not like NASCAR where you won't see a wreck, then you'll see somebody throw a punch or get in somebody else's face because we don't see that side of it. But the more and more we get to see the drivers and kind of get to know who they are, I think it's going to help the Peak Series grow because um, you got to have that connection. So I think the one thing I would say that the Peak Series misses as far as their broadcast go is the interaction outside of the car you get from a cup race. The quality of racing, the detail, the accuracy on track's the same, but it's cool that they're reaching out and going for um, kind of promoting the drivers just as much as they're promoting the series. Now, remember, we talked about the teams, the real NASCAR teams are going to, are working on an effort to get involved in this. And all these 40 guys that are running peak are probably going to be the guys running for the NASCAR teams and being hired by those teams. And so this is a big deal. I mean, as we transition into the NASCAR running this deal. I never really thought about it, but um, I think that that connection with the drivers really is kind of what, what is missing um like you you don't see the driver in the car you just see you just see their name everywhere um and race spot tv does some great interviews after the race um but even if your driver doesn't win 
um, you can still love him to death. Like, uh, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is the arguably the most popular race car driver, um, like, <laughs> in history, right? Uh, but without a championship. So it doesn't really matter. Um, to be a, You don't have to be a fan because they win. Um, and the, the same goes for, for this sort of thing. If, if you have a driver to root for, uh, like, I'd be definitely more interested in following Peak if I, you know, had an opinion about the drivers themselves and not just the racing. Yeah. Yeah, and I like Logan Clampett. Logan's been on this podcast several times, and that's probably why I like him. I mean, we've had Ray Alfala on a couple times, too, and um, they're all great guys, and they all are deserving. But it was a great commercial. The other thing that happened uh, this week with Peak Richmond Raceway, the real Richmond Raceway, continues the evolution of its esports program by forming its inaugural iRacing team to compete in the Peak Series. And so the uh, drivers, Marcus Richardson, Nick Ottinger, Jimmy Mullis, Logan Clampett, Brian Schoenberg, and I believe they added Michael Conti as a late uh, addition as well, are all part of the Richmond Raceway chaos crew as they call it and uh they got a sponsor and it's a real racetrack that's awesome that is pretty cool i like their little logo they got there yeah they got a great logo they got now would you guys consider this a sponsor i mean that's my initial reaction but it's almost like richmond raceway is positioning it as you know, we're being involved, we're the owner of this team, and, you know, it's kind of a different kind of a positioning. I'd say, yeah, it's definitely more than a sponsorship. Um, I think what they've done is really cool. I think it's a little weird that attracted it before an actual race team. Um, but speaking, like, we were just talking a minute ago about fair drivers. The only peak driver I think I've ever raced with was Jimmy Mullis um, in a k&n race at sonoma and that guy whooped us all and he's kind of been one i've followed a little bit so i'm excited for this team and see what they could do but it's really really cool um i think they're very forward thinking having this um they're really the only team out there right now with any kind of nascar affiliation i know it's a track not a team but i think um hopefully this pays dividends in the future for them it's crazy because you know how much exposure iRacing is getting off of this because a racetrack, Richmond, is actually tweeting about it. And there's so many NASCAR fans that follow that. And they're like, what is this? You know, and they start clicking the link and they start learning more about it. And it's cool. And you're right. Why did a track get involved before the teams? They probably, you know, saw what the teams were doing just like we did, that they're talking about getting involved. And they said, well, hell, let's just do it before they do. And they did. You know, money talks, you know. All they had to do was contact a few of these peak drivers and settle up on some, you know, terms, and you're good to go. And I don't know if this has any connection, but I remember reading a news article um, sometime late last year. The way the money is kind of divided amongst all, like, NASCAR, the teams, the tracks, as far as, like, the The TV, TV money. Yeah, that TV money, a huge chunk of it, like... I mean, a gigantic chunk of it goes to the tracks. Yep. So I don't know if NASCAR is saying like, hey, you guys want to keep getting this money? You guys need to step up. I don't know if that's some back-end stuff, but that was the only thing I could think of is money-wise, 
the tracks really kind of make out so they would have the most resources to kind of devote to this because just where the NASCAR money's coming from as far as the television stuff goes. So I don't know if that's a connection or not, but um, just from my understanding, everything, that's just kind of how I saw it was put together. Yeah, Richmond Raceway Twitter handle has 93,000 followers. So anyway, uh, pretty cool. Uh, the, and yeah, I used to race with Marcus Richardson and Logan Clampett back in 2012 in a league called Nordgar. And uh, it's cool to see that they're up at this level now and, and run with the big boys. All right, uh, let's get into topics. Tony, you're up first. Okay, um, this uh, forum post um, talking about, jeez, uh, um, well, right. it's this, it's just a, a, a tidbit from Tyler Hudson actually, where he indicates, hey, we're going to restructure some of the dirt licenses and classes for 2018 season two. And Will, I think you actually found this. Uh, what do you think that means? I I hope it has to do with the difference between late models and sprint cars as far as how they're going to do the pro license. But more than likely, it's just going to be kind of a restructuring as far as we have street stocks in rookie level. Um, then we have like the 305s and the limited late models and each progression of those cars. I think those will be kind of sorted out a little bit more. Because I really feel like the 305 sprint car would be a perfect rookie dirt car. Um, and the limited late model, I feel like, is good in D. Like, I think they're just going to move those around a little bit and kind of determine, like, which series are going to be fixed and not fixed. I dream would be that they actually split dirt into dirt um, stock cars and dirt open wheel. But I highly doubt that. I think it's just going to be more um, may- maybe making the 305s a rookie car having two 360 classes and open and a fixed or something of that nature to kind of. Well, he does um, say specifically restructure some of the dirt licenses. So that tells me he's going to take dirt oval and split that into two different things. I, I would be more than ecstatic for that. Um, I love the late model stuff. I don't, don't dislike the sprint car stuff at all. I just prefer driving them, but there's, there are completely different cars. So I think if they did do a, a dirt open wheel and a dirt street stock or dirt fendered car, just like the real dirt series, I mean, they they don't mingle at all. I think that would be the best way for the sim to go, especially with the new pro licenses that are coming. Yeah. Yeah, we heard, we know the pro licenses are coming. But you're right. They almost need to do this to make that work right. All right, cool. Uh, Will, what's next? All right, so we actually got some uh, Bobby Jonas posted up some little graphics on the on the forums uh, for winter stickers. They look a lot like the winter stickers you the, you see the Cup guys put on when they pick up a win. Um, he did a really good job. They have the red and blue iRacing racing colors with the checker flag says winner, and he did one with the white and a black background, so you could kind of copy and paste those onto your cars throughout the season as you pick up those pick up those w's that's so cool so you just take the little flag and 
stick it on your paint and then re-upload it to trading paints basically yeah i would say you could probably do it to the car uh, upload it to trading paints maybe throw it on your helmet or your suit or just anywhere you see fit but yeah it's just a little winter sticker um well in nascar really cool. they put it right above the window i you know they do that as part of the victory lane yeah no it's definitely a cool addition i almost wish iRacing would do that for us as we pick up wins throughout the season automated um, yeah yeah because i mean i'm gonna copy paste that thing all over my car i think i'm a fast dude um no but it's all in all seriousness it's really really cool and um yeah it's just cool addition yeah, right. I'm, I'm kind of surprised this isn't a thing already you know even if like you do your uh you know the the stock paint job that iRacing allows you to 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 be able to add that kind of thing to your car yeah they already put our name on the windshield and stuff like that you know why couldn't they do this this would be just as easy yeah, one would think anyways, right? It like pulls your stats from the database. If it shows a win, it puts a sticker on. Shows two wins, you get two stickers, you know, so on. All right. I, next. I, I think that would be just hard to do over the grand scheme of things per, you know, everybody. I mean, it's simple to just code it in there to have them go, okay, put the banner here and that be all that stuff there. But to go check each person's stats, it just seems like it would bog down the servers a little bit. I don't know if it'd be worth doing that for official racing. What about Ty Najeski? <laughs> yeah, he, you have he, stickers he would, all over. I was going to say, he wouldn't be able to see out of his windshield if that happened. Yeah, what if he had too many? Yeah. All right, the next topic, let's go. Uh, Dale Jr., we talked about this last week. Uh, did his Dale... Uh, podcast, uh, Dale Jr. Download, his first episode of the season. I It w- came out as we were recording uh, last week, and we talked about it a little bit. I actually listened to the podcast uh, since then. And, uh, yeah, Dale Jr. is sticking up for iRacing big time. Mike Davis is in there talking smack, and basically saying, you know, no, you can't tell if somebody's you know talented from just iRacing. And uh, Dale went on to tell the story about uh, Josh Berry, how he raced with uh, Josh Berry for a long time on iRacing, doing league races. And he hired him to drive at Dale, uh, Dale's you know, Junior Motorsports as a real driver based solely on him, knowing him through iRacing. And he kind of explained that story a little bit and said a lot of nice things about iRacing. And the thing about Dale Jr. is he's a very believable person. And he's sitting there arguing with Mike Davis, and he's like, it's real, it's real, I'm telling you, it's, it's, the racing's real. And he kept saying that over and over, and he's very believable. Well, yeah, and he, he made sure to point out, he's like, listen, I'm not saying that, you know, we take a guy, uh, you know, right from iRacing and, and, and pluck him into like a truck race or, you know, one of the higher up series. No, we take one of those guys, put him into a lower lower level series, um, get his feet wet into a real car. Um, and he's, you know, they said there's there's been success there. Yeah, start him in like Arca or the, the modified series, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. And he, he, um, he didn't really talk about the realism. I mean, he did mention a little bit as far as the way the cars drive. But the biggest thing he talked about was racecraft and the decisions you make and the intensity of the competition and stuff of that nature, which was really nice. Cause I think a lot of people look at 
iRacing, it is a tremendous simulator for like how the cars feel and handle and you can feel it through the force feedback. But the one thing I feel like definitely gets overlooked is that the mindset, the um, the mental game of it and the the way you drive and how you drive people and all that kind of stuff. So that yeah, was one of the things he really hit on. I definitely agree. Um, I think one common misconception is that like when drivers go straight from iRacing to real life, um, it's not so much the car control as the decision-making, thinking on your feet and knowing what you want the car to do in a given situation in order to be faster around the track, respect the drivers around you. And seat time gives you that real car control. Um, but the simulation definitely helps with, with that, but there's no comparison to actually going around the track. So um, one thing he did mention was like decision-making, and I, I definitely agree that that's heavily underrated. Yeah, and just the mechanics of racecraft, like how to do a pit stop. When do I pit? Do I have to pit the first time by or the second time by? What if I'm a lap down? When do I pit then? What if I stay out when everyone else pits? Can I get away by? What's a lucky dog? You know, there's so many little things like that you can learn from racing and iRacing that you need to know that, you know, and uh, you can actually learn it all right here. All right, Tony, what's next? Oh, uh, another forum post. John Gorlinski uh, was asking if uh, we ever got a valid reason as to why we aren't doing snake pl- snake splits for Road to Pro. Um, and and Tyler Hudson got back to him and um, you know basically said uh, for the broadcasting that they're they're not going to do this uh, snake split. So that way they have all the top guys uh, in the top split so they can they can put together a, a proper broadcast for that. Yeah. He basically said, no, we're not doing snake, snake splits. Uh, there's been other forum posts, and this thread goes on forever, about basically, you know, a lot of people are wanting it, but to make it work right, you almost have to have a minimum I rating. And and at one point, Tyler said, look, we can't, iRacing is not going to do the thing with a minimum I rating that excludes people and we're not in the business of excluding drivers from racing. That's why we're all running road to pro tonight. None of us are going to make pro. None of us in this room are going to make pro, but we're running it anyway because iRacing opens it to everyone and because everyone's excited about it. Everyone's going to run it. It's going to be a very popular series. Hey, there you may never know. Somebody here could go pro. I mean, the chances, you're right. The chances are very unlikely, but. Well, it all starts tonight. We'll see. Um, yep. Anyway, yeah, Tyler basically said no to the snake split stuff. And I have to agree with him. I think, it, it, you know, maybe in the future and some other iteration it might make sense, but right now it doesn't. Yeah, I only know this. The way they do it now, I've never seen the snake split. So, uh, I guess basically, what I'm saying, I, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care. It, it's like take other. everything you know now, the way things split, and like mix it all up. You basically take the best guys and split them into every split. So every split, if there's seven splits, then the top seven guys will each be in separate splits. And the same thing with the worst guys, and so on. And they just stack everybody in. So each split is basically the same strength of field, 
and the same caliber of type of drivers from high to low are, are pretty much equal from split to split. Doesn't that defeat the purpose of I-rating? I-rating is the discriminator yep. and, and skill, right? Yeah, there's tons of discussion about this on the forum if you want to read more about it. All right, Will, what's next? All right, so it looks like we ended up uh, getting a Season 1 Patch 2 release notes. Um, I believe that came out yesterday or the day before. Um, but as far as patches go, we had some um, fixes, uh, bug fixes. We have the race servers optimized. And then a big balance of performance between all the GT3 cars. So hopefully they're getting ready for the next season of the Blanc Pain. Again, those GT3 cars a little bit better balanced. And it looks like the server issues we had with the 24 hours should hopefully be resolved in the future. I haven't driven the GT3 cars since the change, but I have read in the forums from people that do. And overall, the... Uh... Changes have been positive from what I can see. Everybody seems to like what, what's happened. Yeah, I read a little bit on um on Reddit uh, the other night when it first went live, and people were mentioning the Audi feels a lot better because I guess they originally nerfed it, and then the Mercedes kind of went to the top, but the Audi seems like it's back. And I haven't read too much about the Ferrari, which is the one we drove. But, yeah, no, everything, I mean, it's cool that they're making these changes, especially before a whole season. I think they knew it was uh, the Mercedes Cup there for a while, so hopefully you get a little more diversity. Yep. All right, uh, next topic. Uh, bug posts, uh, lots of them I've seen across the forums about results are no longer showing. And a lot of people are having problems bringing up results. I haven't necessarily tried, so what do you guys think? Have you seen anything out there? I've I've not seen any. I've not had this issue. Yeah. It's almost enough people reporting that it's widespread, but it certainly doesn't affect everybody. So as far as I know, uh iRacing has not chimed in on this and said that they're they're aware of it or working on it, so still an ongoing issue. Actually, Mike, um I I looked a little ahead and this morning uh staff member Dean Marsh um put up a post uh says our job that pushes data over to our tables we use for viewing results got hung up overnight we're pushing that data over now and it should be caught up soon sorry for the inconvenience Aha. so it should be resolved by the sounds of things okay so they are aware of it that's great they are very responsive lately it's been uh refreshing three years ago they were not involved in the forums like they are now yeah, I mean, that, that got posted at like uh, 20 to 9 this morning. So, um, you know, that's that's fairly quick. All right. Tony, what's next? Um, there was a question about uh, asking if we'll be able to skin AI cars and adjust their performance levels like what was possible in... Uh, the NR2003, and Tony Gardner came on and said, yes, so yes, you can. Yeah, that's big news. So you can paint the AI cars with your own custom paint. I wonder if we need trading paints to obviously change something for that to work or how that's going to work. You'd probably run with, uh, like you said, trading paints. 
Or you can maybe just drop a paint in a folder or something on your computer, a certain folder, and only you can see it. Uh, that's what I would think. I don't know if trading paints, would that be a pretty major project for them, I bet, to somehow not only handle your personal paint, but now the paints of up to 40 other cars, you know, for your own personal single-player AI race. Yeah, all it does right now, um, all Trading Paints does really is it takes your iRating or iRacing ID and takes the paint scheme from the website and put, replaces your uh, in iRacing's files on your computer. You go to My Documents iRacing. There's a TGA file, which is the image file, and it's just your ID, your iRacing ID. So if you replace that file, it shows up as a new paint um, in the game. So yeah. even if you're racing with other people, if you know their ID, you can give them custom paints. So I'm, I'm thinking AI cars, each AI driver um, would have their own ID, and I guess you could skin them. They're like uh, unique IDs different. like any other driver. That's what you're saying. Uh, this is going to be a weird question, but are these AI drivers going to have like names and stuff? Are they going to be based like Jimmy Johnson, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Larson? Or are they going to be like AI car one, AI car two? Um because I, I assume NASCAR Racing 03, that was licensed by NASCAR, so they probably had all of that. I don't know. Maybe I mean, we talked that's about what we're going to get. They could take and model somebody's driving like a Dale Earnhardt Jr., and somehow you could translate that into an AI car, and so you could go and start a race, and you would have a drop-down, and you could pick. I want to race Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Landon Castle and Jimmy Johnson. And it loads up their profile or whatever into the AI, or that would be cool if they could do that. Yeah, with the Peak series, um, and like we saw before, they had an officially, um, you know, that is a NASCAR series, like officially sanctioned by NASCAR or whatever, right? So uh, maybe they're saving that as a, a nice little bonus for us. I just hope they have fun with it. I don't want to be racing AI car number three. You know, I want to be racing, even if it's a fake name. Uh, because I, th- I have a feeling I would build up like a rivalry with this this one AI driver um, that's arbitrary, but you know he always beats me. Um, so I hope I hope they have fun with it. You know those uh, Pixar movies, uh, Cars, and you know how they have the weird names that are kind of related to racing, but they're a little different. Uh, Daryl Cartrip. Yeah, Daryl Cartrip. That's who you want to race. It'd Perfect. be cool. It'd be just cool if they allow you to, like you said, rename everything or just do It's just going to bring a new level to us. So, And we'll have to see how they do it when it comes out because I'm sure once it comes out, there's going to have to be a whole, you know, another set of tweaks and adjustments, and you know, because you're not going to make everybody happy. And, yeah. I think it has to be fairly close if they're giving yes and no answers to questions like this. Um not like a, hey, maybe we're working on it. It's a definitive yes. So I'm thinking they might be closer than we realize. Or they have it designed already or something. All right, what's next, Will? All right, so it looks like um, we have uh, some updates on the Be Open schedule. Um, I guess some people are mentioning the Daytona race was a little longer um, than normal. And Tyler Hudson chimed in on the forums mentioning... Um, if it's too long, we'll look at that for next year, but they, 
just paraphrasing here, they essentially just didn't want the cup cars to get all the fun. So um, I think we're 100 laps. That's what, 250 miles? So I don't think it's too bad, but people were noticing the race, race length for the B car just didn't add up. Yeah, it was a little bit of a like a celebration for you know for Daytona, so it's just the one race. I think it's kind of a you know kind of kind of neat for them to do that, a little something out of the ordinary. Yeah, I think the overall response in the forum thread was positive, even though some people didn't like it. But well, I with wrote the pro and NIS, I feel like the B car is really going to get overlooked here pretty soon. So I think it's cool they're doing something to that and not letting it just get forgotten. So, yep. All right. Next topic. Uh, Tyler Hudson posted up in uh, the forum that post that we talked about before, where they announced the new world championship uh, series for dirt oval and dirt road. And he says, Uh, A quick update. We're still ironing out the details regarding these new World Championship Series as well as the qualifying process for each. We will post details as soon as we can. Our goal is to give all those who wish to participate plenty of notice with exact information on what one needs to know to be successful. We are likely still a a couple of weeks out from announcing the formal plan. And so, just an update that they're working on it, and uh, we'll know more in a couple weeks. All right, let's get into uh, hardware software. Uh, Tony, you're first. Yeah, um, I'm just opening it up here. My computer's being a little bit slow, and I'm kind of this is a kind of a joke video, I guess. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. How to clean your GPU. Oh, this is great information. I mean, this is probably the cleanest I've ever seen a, a graphics card. Um, I don't know if I would suggest doing it, but hey. Uh, <laughs> is this how you do yours, David? <laughs> no, can't say I would, Mike. Okay, so for all our audio listeners, I'll describe the video we're looking at. The guy's got his GPU out. He puts it in the bathroom sink, he turns the water on, and he cleans it like, uh, you know, you'd clean a pot or a pan. Uh, he puts the Dawn detergent, you know, liquid dishwasher soap on it, and he's got a little scrub brush, and he got it all soapy, and now he's rinsing it off, and uh, yeah, clean as can be. You know, well, if you use uh, Mountain Dew, I hear it, it, you know, gives it that much more energy. Game fuel, game fuel. Well, realistically, I think as long as you didn't power that thing on and you let it dry out, you would be okay. I wouldn't want to risk, you know, especially with the way GPUs cost right now, I wouldn't want to risk doing it. But as long as it's not powered on, it's really not going to hurt it that much. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, but I mean, like, you definitely want that thing to dry 72, 96 hours (laughs) at least. Oh, yeah. Well, when I worked at the... I worked at a television station for eight years. The keyboards we would just run through a dishwasher in the in the break room, and we <laughs> oh, let them wow. dry for a couple days, and they'd be fine. I mean, it's as long as you let everything dry that gets wet, you shouldn't have a problem. I wonder if the soap actually causes more problems than just plain water. That you... it could be. It could you know wear away at the thermal compound if it got down in there, but. 
Well, yeah, if if you didn't get all the soap off of all the components, um, it kind of adds like an extra coating that it's not used to. So I would imagine it would re help retain the heat, and um, I, c I couldn't see that doing any good. Yeah, I don't think I'll try that. I mean, when they get dirty, it's hard to get it clean because the little fans are kind of fragile, and you can't really wipe them with a cloth much. And uh, but I would never do this. No, you just get it. You get in there very gingerly with a with a Q-tip and a can of air. That gets it clean enough. All right, Will. What's next? All right, so we got a post up here on YouTube as well for a do-it-yourself. A sim rig. It looks like it's been built with a PVC. So, some pretty more cool stuff. A little more on the serious side. It's kind of a neat setup that I haven't really seen before. He's got it where it folds down, and it's like this thing that you can slide under the couch or put in the closet. And then when he's ready to race, he brings it out and he sets it in his living room, and it kind of sits there in front of the couch. And you can unfold it real quickly in like 60 seconds. And he's using it with his living room TV, and he's just sitting in his main living room. Uh, he's got some pretty good you know, equipment on it, too. So it's kind of a nice setup. Yeah, like, I, I didn't... You know what? Like, aesthetically, it looks really nice, too. I mean, just using the PVC, it's got some nice lines on it. Um, now, I didn't really understand the need for the for the front part. Um, but the the rest of it works really well. I mean, the front part to me is just pure, you know, eye candy, PVC eye candy, so to speak. But, uh, yeah, it's a neat idea nonetheless. Yeah, it's like, okay, so what you're describing is he's got a different setup for the bedroom or for the office where he puts the same equipment within another kind of fake cockpit kind of look thing. Like you said, it, it's kind of for a design look to it. You know, it's not it, it's not functional. <laughs> no, no, and it really serves no purpose other than to just kind of... Kind of give you a surround, his... yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, <laughs> you know, it's do-it-yourself for sure. I don't know if that's the, the cheap way to do it because I know where I'm, where I'm from. Like all those little uh, corner pieces and, and angles, you know, they're like, you know, two, three dollars a pop and... He's he's got a bunch on there. Yeah, and it's a real clean setup too because he runs the cabling through the tubes and stuff. So the cable management is outstanding. You don't see cables, and he actually details out in the video some modifications he did. Uh, like for example, uh, he he had different pedals and he wanted to plug them into his steering wheel base, and he had to modify it and have a jack and you know installed on the base and he actually shows what he did and he shows this other stuff where he modified um you know how he wired everything and what each wire was for and how he ran it through the tubes and all that stuff yeah now i i don't have the video uh popped up right now but i believe that was a fanatec uh handbrake that he was putting into uh um a thrustmaster uh wheel Right, so he had to mod it to make it work, right? Yeah, yeah. So that and it, <clears throat> he did a really nice job of explaining it because he shows you exactly where on, on the circuit board you got to solder the wires onto. Um, it, you know, you get kind of you can get kind of nervous soldering onto a circuit board, but 
it's really not that big of a deal. And with what he shows you there, it's it's actually quite easy. Yeah, so if you ever wanted a setup for your living room that you could easily move in and out to appease your wife, check this video out. Uh, search YouTube for Sim Racing DIY Project. That's the name of the video. The guy who published it is called Sim Racing Me, M-E. All right, I'll pick up the next one. I found or stumbled across a post in the forum about some software. He calls it the Crew Chief. And it's similar to, uh, it's a voice attack plug-in kind of thing that's similar to the Digital Race Engineer, which is what I use. Now, I haven't tried this yet. I've actually based... used it before. Oh, have you? Yeah, I can explain kind of how it works if you want. Yes, please do. So it's a standalone program. Like you said, it works um, similar to voice attack plugins and similar to Digital Race Engineer. Um, you start it. Um, it's When I used it, they've made some updates since I stopped using it, but um, it basically adds a spotter and crew chief to any sim racing game, like uh, a set of Corsa, Automobilista, Project Cars and Project Cars 2, R-Factor, um, and they recently added iRacing support. Uh, so uh, there's this guy, he like he gives you your car information um, down to like how much fuel you have left. Um, there's a spotter for road racing and oval racing, and it kind of runs in the background on your system. Um, also, uh, you can switch out the voice, too. So kind of like how iRacing has the Aussie guy spotter, um, and there's some other voice packs, like um, you can get Chad Knauss to be your spotter and crew chief and stuff, um, and you can switch them out, and it's all open source. I actually contributed to it, so you can have me as your spotter if you want. Um, but other people, including uh, Matt Orr, who's a guy I watch on YouTube and also um, has written into your podcast before. He goes by Empty Box. You can have him spotting for you as well. It's very, very, very well done, extremely customizable, and like I said, open source. Um, you can find it on GitHub. Uh, it's, it's just called Crew Chief. Well, cool. So, do you, so is it just talking to you, or are you talking back to it, or what? Uh, the way I used it, it was just providing me information. So um, it's very, very similar to what's already built into iRacing. Um, but for a long time, iRacing was the only thing that had it. Um, it does have voice commands. Um, I haven't personally used them, but you can ask for the position of other cars. You can ask for your lap time. You can, I believe you can... Uh, Ask it to configure your pit stop. Um, not 100% sure about that one. Uh, but it, it gives very detailed information. And like, uh, if there's a caution or something on a road course, there are so many different tracks already mapped out. So he'll say, hey, somebody, so-and-so is off track in uh, this corner. And like, he has all the names for the corners. Um like the Andretti hairpin or whatever it is. He actually wow. can say that. Um, a lot of work went into this. Yeah. 
Yeah, so there is some de uh, default voice commands that they have for controlling pit stops. You know, you can add so many uh, liters and, you know, whether you want to do a fast repair or normal repair, um, all your tires, tire pressures, um, uh, stuff like that. And they, they, they've got it posted on the on the forum where where this original post is has been put. There's one more detail that I find um, I, I it adds so much, even though it's a tiny little feature. And that's um, if you contribute to um, like this guy is basically doing it out of his own free time, but you can contribute some money toward him. And if you do, they'll put your name in there. So the crew chief will actually like say, I have Philip selected. So it'll be like, you know, all right, Philip, uh, you know, two laps to go. And if I crash, it'll be like, oh, come on, Philip, why'd you do that? And they've got a million of them. Um, and if you contribute a little bit of money, support the guy, you can have your own name in there. So you can have your own personal crew chief. So it's free if you don't want that? Yeah, you can download it right now. Cool. I think I'll have to check this out. Uh, I actually started using, uh, just recently, sim racing apps uh, for the countdown to the pit box. Uh, Tony, you were telling me about that, so I tried it. and It's working real good, because that's the only thing I've tried so far with it. Yeah, see, now I, I run a separate monitor, um, and I actually run uh, sim racing apps on on a separate laptop, and I and I use the the full instrument cluster that they have, um, you know, just their stock one for the for the stock cars. Um, but it seems to work pretty pretty good. You get a lot of information. Yep, there's a lot of third party software out there, guys. A lot of them overlap what they do. And so, yeah, this sounds very similar to Digital Race Engineer. I like Digital Race Engineer. It's working out good for what I'm using it for. Um, but I might check this out and see if it's better. Um, Phil, I guess my last question is, is it hard to configure? Is it hard to set up? I noticed when I clicked download, it just gave me an executable. Is it easy as just running it? Yeah, um, from the forum post, it says there's a link to download it, and it's an installer. Um, the default I, I ran with the defaults for a long time and had zero issues. Um, but if you open the options menu, it can be a little bit overwhelming. Um, the help and readme documentation is uh, pretty good. So even though there's a lot of things to tweak, you probably won't change all of them. Um, but like the one thing that I would always change is turn on the swearing box so it'll swear at you if you screw up. Um, <laughs> But very easy to configure, um, and it's basically you just start it up when you start your any racing sim um, and go. Very cool. All right, you can search the forums for crew chief and alternate pit engineer slash spotter. So uh, that's bring it uh, bring you to that thread and check it out. Uh, Tony, you're up next. Okay, um, this one is way over my head. It's a uh, SimCube direct drive servo controller, uh, a guide, an updated guide to to running it. Is that what this is? Well, I mean, there's an there's a way to get a direct drive wheel called SimuCube, and you you buy the parts and you build it yourself, and a lot of people do that. So, uh, what this guy's done is put together. 
information about the motors that you buy and with the part numbers, the voltage, the rating, how much torque it has, all this stuff. He's figured it all out. This guy is actually a, a guru when it comes to direct drive wheels. His name is Philip Jansen Van Rensburg. He's from Australia, and I've followed his posts before, and he's very, very knowledgeable about how to build these wheels. Yeah, this uh, this kind of thing sounds extremely complicated, but it's... I would it's... never attempt it myself. No, I don't think I'd have the patience um, just to learn about it, but uh, that's kind of cool that you can do that. Yeah, so there's a... If you want to build your own direct drive wheel, uh, if you get on the forums and you learn about it, it's called SimuCube. You can uh, get the parts and put it all together. You have to do all the wiring and all that. But the information is in the forums. Everything you need to do is there. But, boy, it's a project. I mean, like I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't attempt this. You got to start it and you blow yourself up. <laughs> Yeah, you're handling yeah power wires and everything. Yeah, it's you have to do everything. But uh, yeah, so if you're interested, Philip has put out some great information. Uh, search the word SimuCube and you'll find it. Uh, okay, Will, you're next. All right, it looks like uh, David Tucker posted up in the forums about um, how to maintain Horizon View. I believe you call this uh, the gyro. View, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, this is my favorite thing. I always talk about this. Yeah, so he puts up um, kind of some details on how you would, uh, I believe, you customize your API file. Um, as far as like what you want your head to do, whether you want it to wobble, no pitch. Um, a little bit above my head. Um, I use a riff, so my head turns wherever I want it to. But um, a lot of good information here. If you don't want just a static, a static screen, and you want to kind of get the get it to look, look towards the apex and stuff of that nature. Yeah, and this is uh, why I flagged this one to talk about is he gives a really, really good description about what happens when you change these settings. So I kind of want to review this real quick. Uh, the driver head horizon setting, that's a percent to allow the driver's head to stay level with the horizon when the car tilts. And so you can have it at zero or a hundred percent, and it's one or the other. But you can also change that to any percentage: fifty percent, seventy-five percent. It'll give you a different effect. Um, the next one was driver head no pitch. That's the percent to allow the driver's head to stay level with the horizon when the car pitches. So tilt and pitch are two different things. And then finally, the driver head wobble is the percent to allow the driver's head to wobble when going over bumps. And I run this in triples, and I run these at 100%. And I call it the gyro view because it's similar to the gyro camera. When you're in the banking, it looks similar, okay, because it locks my head to the horizon, not to the chassis. And I think it helps me because it gives me visual clues about the shocks and springs, the compression of the car, and my bottoming out. I can see it because my head is locked to the horizon, my view is, 
and I feel I can visually see the car moving underneath me, visually. And so if you turn these settings on, it's quite different than the stock iRacing that most people run. And so it's a very different experience. It's kind of like what Phil was talking about at the beginning with looking to the apex. So what do you think about this, Phil? Have you ever heard of these settings? I know they that these settings have something to do with that look to the corner thing. Yeah, I haven't heard of these before. Uh, but as you were talking, I opened up my app.ini file where you, where you change all these and found one that isn't listed in this forum post called Driver Rotate Head. And it, there's a little comment that says the percent to rotate the driver's head with the slip angle. Um, so I'm wondering, um, is that like if you're sliding sideways and it would, uh, you know, on a dirt track and it would sort of look to where you're going instead of yep. where the nose is pointed? Yep, I have that at 100% as well. And yeah, when you spin out, the the, tr- the key word there is slip angle. When you get to a point where the car spins out, your head will rotate to where to the direction that you're spinning because that's a natural reaction, right? Yeah, so, um, I mean, that would certainly be helpful in dirt racing or maybe even GRC. Um, it doesn't look like there are any settings that really let you look into the corner, but, um, you know, some people don't like that. Some people would prefer to look with their head. If you use something with track IR, it's not one-to-one. Um, like like VR. Um, so if I look, turn, I tilt my head. You know, I tilt my nose two degrees to the left, and the camera will move um, ten degrees. And if I tilt my head five degrees, it'll look out the window. Um, it sounds really weird, and it is for like the User first entered your channel. twenty minutes. Um, but it becomes second nature almost to the point where I'm watching YouTube videos of people driving and I'm like tilting my head sideways to get a better view. Um, but for people that don't have track IR prefer user more disconnected grounded, from your channel, uh, more grounded camera, uh, these settings, like I'm surprised they're not more, uh, well known. They seem really useful. Yeah. That's why I talk about them all the time. So the, the one you just mentioned about the slip angle, combined with the head wobble will give you a look to apex kind of thing on triples i guarantee you because the car pitches into the corner and your head wobble along what was the setting you told me about that wasn't listed uh rotate head driver rotate, rotate head, head on slip angle that when you have that at 100 percent combined with the head wobble at 100 percent it will give you that a little bit of that kind of as you go into the corner the camera shifts a little bit into the apex it doesn't obviously track off my head you know i don't have a camera and all that but it does happen automatically where the camera will shift to the apex because of those settings so if you want to try something new trust me i've run the i've been running this like this for three years it is awesome now i've had other people try it and they don't like it i know tony you tried it right yeah, yeah, I absolutely did, and I'm still doing it. I I do love it now. I might, I I don't have the uh, uh, the head rotate one set yet. I'm pretty sure I don't. Anyways, um, I think you tried it and then turned it off, or I forget. I yeah, no, that, I I can't remember. That was me, Mike. 
Yeah, David, I, I think you I tried, tried this it. and didn't I like it. I tried it, and you're, I'm like, you're, you're crazy. I, I can't race like this. This is ridiculous. Yeah, because everything was it. moving. Yeah, it just, I couldn't. Yeah, but the other three I do all have set at a hundred percent, and and I do like it. I, um, it it took me a, a, actually just a couple of laps to kind of get used to it, and then uh, I haven't touched it since then. So I'm gonna try that uh, that head turning deal, and uh, yeah, yeah, and do it now, and then go out and spin out on purpose, and you'll see what happens. You, you'll you'll instantly realize how it works. So all just right. go out and do the normal thing I normally do, and yeah. Call. <laughs> uh it's it, yeah trust me these are really different than the normal iRacing view I, I it's hard to explain but uh give it a shot i mean the only all you can always put it back the way it was just change the numbers back to zeros you know and then save the file and launch it again you're right back to where you were so it doesn't hurt anything to try it all right uh, I guess I'm next. This is a final topic. Uh, we heard from Derek Spears, who's famous for his Derek Spears button boxes and other uh, SIM hardware. He posted up in the forums of a post showing a uh, mock-up of a new possibility from Derek Spears' designs. The idea is you get a ready-to-assemble chassis shipped to your door, which is good for sim racing, flight simming, uh, and so forth. And it's made out of wood. It's all pre-cut, uh, pre-drilled. It has holes everywhere. And the holes everywhere are to accommodate basically every piece of hardware that's available. So you can screw it down to this thing. So it's a wood cockpit stationary that he would ship to you in a box. All for 160 bucks. That's the kicker for me. Wow. I love this. This thing is cool. Oh wait, yeah. I misread that. I think uh, the seat is 160 bucks. Yeah, the seat is 160. I don't How think he has be? a price. Total. It's like uh, something from IKEA. You assemble it yourself. It's all particle board. Yeah. Yeah, it, but it it all depends on weight because shipping is uh, like a jillion dollars. Yeah, he's saying buy the wheel separate, or excuse me, the seat separately, and then you just buy the wood, you know, product from him. Well, it, this seems like a, as long as it's a affordable. Um, if you you can get what the, the plate seat, um, some other things on Amazon will cost you about two hundred bucks minimum uh, for a stand if you don't have a desk or something. Um, and there's very few that accommodate flight sims and driving sims in an all-in-one package unless you do it yourself. So I'm very inter- I'm going to keep my eye on this one. I'm very interested. Oh. Well, his stuff hasn't really been called affordable in the past, yeah. so I, I would kind of wouldn't hold my breath for that. But I mean, it's not bad if the price is right. He's got a good product, like you say. I'd just be worried about. I know when I built my rig, when I upgraded my wheel. The forces through the wheel from the force feedback is just immense. I'd be worried about snapping something there. You're right. The way it's designed, uh, the the wheel stand portion of it just kind of comes up. I guess yeah. there is those side uh, panels, you know, where you put your gear shift and brake and stuff. 
Those look like they're connected to the seat and connected to the steering column. So maybe it's sturdy. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, plus we're not touching it either. I mean, you know, we're just seeing pictures, so we don't know how sturdy it is. I mean, it looks solid. And the minute, I mean, you know, the minute he starts racing with it, all that stuff could fall down. Who knows? I mean, he's using, looks like a G27 on there. So Fancy. I... I went from the 27 to the five, the T500, and the, just the forces were so much greater in this wheel. Yeah, I, because the G27 is now 10-year-old technology. Yeah. Um, so, the belt-driven and stuff. But, it, you know, I had to reinforce the rig that I had. I'm just curious on how thick that mounting plate is for the for the wheelbase and will it be able to support like you know direct drive wheels and stuff like that too yeah hey mike um i gotta go uh so skip me for final thoughts all right yeah it's pretty cool looking i think he's on to something here i've never seen him do a cockpit like this before but uh it's definitely a you know when you look at what products this guy normally puts out this is definitely a departure uh, he usually has stuff that looks really slick. It's all, you know, chromed or, you know, a, kind of a high-end look. This is a particle board with a bunch of holes drilled in it. Yeah, it, I still like it, though. I mean, with the uh, the wood, you know, the inlay that he has, DSD on there and stuff. I, I like you guys. I, I'm interested in see what this, you know. Yeah, he's got it branded with his little logo. Yeah, it looks good. It looks like it's on the sides as well as in the front. Not not bad. If you need a, a, a simple stationary cockpit, you should check this out. Uh, forum post. The title is called Spy Shot. So check that out. Let's get into final thoughts. Uh, Chris Perez, what do you got? I'm ready for the race tonight. Hopefully we all make it through on the other end of this. Yep, let's survive it, right? <laughs> yep, let's get through round one, and we worry about the rest of the season after that. All right, very good. Uh, Phil Linden, what do you got? Uh, first of all, thanks for uh, letting me join the podcast today and join the team. Um, good luck at the Daytona 500. This will be my first one. Let's hope I don't wreck out on lap one. Uh, <laughs> and, um, yeah, it should be a fun NAS season. Yeah, my advice to a rookie in the Daytona 500 is finish, finish, finish. Focus on finish. Don't focus on racing. Try to survive. If you finish, you're going to have a good run. This is such a long race. I guarantee you half the field won't be there at the end. And so if you can finish, you're going to have a good run. That's what it's about. All right, Tony Groves, final thoughts? Yeah, same thing. Uh, looking forward to the race tonight. Um, it'll be a, you know, I'm going to do as many of these as I can, but my main focus obviously is NIS. So uh, the 100 lapper tonight will be will be great practice for, uh, I, I plan on running the fixed on, on Thursday. And if I can get into an open, uh, I'll, I'll do that as well. But um, great, it'll be, a, it'll be, yeah, a nice preview for, for Thursday night for me. Yep. I have to work Thursday night. Uh, I'll 
probably show up in the middle of that race and maybe spot for you or something like that. I'll be running on Wednesday night, uh, the open, and then Sunday night for fixed. Uh, Will Gibson, what are your final thoughts? Uh, not a whole lot here. Um, I'm going to try crew chief for uh, Flowers tonight during his race for Road to Pro, and I know that's kind of what I've been focusing on. I'm already working on setups for Vegas, which is already two weeks away. So I'm excited for the – really, really excited to do the crew chief and stuff for the Road to Pro series and get out there and have some fun in the NIS. It's um, it's It felt like such a long wait, but it's here. It's time to go. That's right. Off-season has been extremely long. My final thought, Daytona 500, baby, and this is usually my big chance to win a big race uh, with no – Long event at Talladega this year. Um, they got rid of it. This is the longest plate race of the year. And uh, the most prestigious, obviously, Daytona 500. So I'm looking for a win. I'm only going to have two starts or two cracks at it. I'm a little concerned about the setup. Um, I think we have something that will work, but I'm a little afraid it's a little off on speed. Um, but, you know, in Road to Pro, a, a couple weeks ago, I did finish third with the same set. So... Uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm glad off-season's over, guys. I can't believe it. NASCAR is here. Let's go NASCAR racing. And with that, we'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.